0: Hello, this is Jill Wigmore Welsh, bringing you another In the Body Sensing and Movement Awareness series. Uh, I always say the same thing, but I'm going to say it again. These recordings are not designed in any way, shape or form to be a medical treatment. And if you have anything at all wrong with your medical, yourself, your health, whatever, and you're concerned in any way, shape or form that doing any sort of movement processes could present an issue, then please check with your physician before you undertake anything. I also always add a little caveat though that if you want to do some of the movement processes and you've got something going on with with one of your arms etc then you can always do the movement work in your imagination. You can imagine yourself doing the movement, you can just sit back, close your eyes and imagine. So uh, it's taken me a little while to put this podcast up because I've been very busy doing a lot of work rehabilitating people who've been coming in to see me And that's part of the work that I do and have done for the last 35 years. And I'll do a podcast um, about that kind of work at some later point. Recently, I put up a a blog and it was about the shoulder. And it was actually to do with science and research and evidence to show that um, increasing strength and power, doing exercises, developing body awareness and movement awareness, Um, is actually a really good preventive tool. Now, It's not surprising to me that I found this out because I trained at a time when we didn't have so many of the amazing uh, tools that are available now to orthopaedic consultants. Um, You know, tiny little arthroscopes, MRI scanners, CT scanners, um, huge amounts of robotic surgery, all sorts that are going on now. those, Those things didn't exist because the injuries existed. Because it's not new for people to have these injuries and I think this is something um, we need need to bear in mind. Um, through, Through the centuries, through the millennium, people will have suffered injuries to tissue, to bone, to muscle, to tendon, to ligament, to all manner of areas. So having an injury isn't new. Having these kinds of injuries isn't new. What is relatively new is the diagnostic process and the interventions. And some of these interventions are quite amazing. But of course, what we've always known, because if you go back through time, what we've always known is that developing power, endurance, proprioception, and an ability to perform, and I'm going to add this in as a fourth, the ability to perform accurate um, reflex, fast movements, um, is something that we all need on a day-to-day basis. So, what do I mean by those those four different things? Well, power. Well, that says it's that says it all, doesn't it? That is that is that is strength in muscle. So, in other words, that is literally the the ability of your muscles to be able to work against a resistance. Now. Oftentimes when I have people him to see me in clinic and I ask them to lift a weight, it's, uh, it's not unusual for them to find that they have difficulty lifting something which is actually lighter than an everyday filled kettle or watering can or ladder or something else. So when we talk about power, one of the things that we need to do is to talk about power in relation to what we want to do with our limbs or our whole body. So if you want to be able to lift everyday items around the house, you know, three kilos, four kilos, five kilos at arm's length or whatever, then you really need enough power and strength in those muscles to be able to lift about a third again on top. And that's a rather arbitrary statement from me, but you've got to have that little bit of anti-fragile boundary there. You need to have a little bit there that's um, it's there for your help and your support. So that's power. Um, the next one is endurance. Well, of course, endurance is the ability to um, repeat a movement over and over and over and over and over and over again. Now, some people have different kinds of uh, muscle makeup to others, and some people are more prone to have sort of more bulky muscle that is better at, at doing really big, strong work. If you think of the guys who do you know, bodybuilding or big weightlifting, um, they're a very different body type from, say, some of the more slender, skinny, uh, streamlined athletes that you see. And some of that is to do with the nature of their body type. But endurance is the ability to keep, keep repeating an activity over and over and over again. So how many times can you lift that kettle? It's no good if you, perhaps during the course of the day, want to make, I don't know, five or 10 cups of tea or coffee or something, um, and you've only got the ability to lift the kettle three times. So we've got power and strength, we've got endurance, then we've got proprioception. Now proprioception is really important because it's, a, it's inside a proprioceptive capability, which is part of a feedback system. Is uh, is these little these little awareness systems are within all of our tissue, and that's a feedback through into the brain, and it's the ability of our whole self to know where different areas, different parts of our body schema, um, where they are in space and time, and what's going on, and that if we move one way, that we can control the movement, and we can we can rebalance. I don't know if I've explained that properly, um, but if you imagine yourself on your hands and knees on the floor, and you've got your weight on both hands, arms straight, and your weight on your knees, and you lift one hand up in the air, you need to move your weight over to one side, feel that sense of balance and stability and ability to still move a little bit over the arm. And then keep controlling and writing yourself, so that's that's if you like your balance ability and your proprioception and finally you've got this other one which I've thrown into the mix here, which is this sort of ability to make fast sharp, accurate reflex movements and I think this is a really important area because if you think about let's say making that same cup of tea in the morning and you just picked up the um, you picked up the milk and you you didn't realize that the uh, the plastic carton or whatever it is, is, is slippery and it, and it starts to slip out of your hand. And your response and your reaction is to quickly respond and grab it. Now, as you perform those sorts of sharp movements and quick movements, you are um, you're using a whole combination of different things within your system. And I'm not going to go into that in depth here. But the ability to swiftly respond um, and be able to know that that hand is going to go exactly where you want it to go. Is, is very important, and it's part of skill training that we do in sport, um, but it is also just a part of, a, if you like, a reflex defensive movement. If somebody were to, um, I don't know, open a can or something, and you suddenly detected that some of the little bits of spray from the top of the, the rain pull can is coming near your face, you, you would ooh, quickly jump back, and that's a, a reflex protective pattern. So I'm adding that one into the mix because I think it's important to be beginning to start to think about what sorts of things that you want to try to develop when you're working on the um, your capability prior to surgery or after surgery. So are those, those are the areas which we can go into later in more podcasts, but those are the things that I'd like you to be beginning to start to write a list down about when you're starting to think about your rehabilitation. Write those lists of... Um, strength and power, endurance, proprioception and balance ability, and then swift reflex activity and make a list of the things that you'd like to achieve. Um, so, in terms of the upper limb, what's the other thing that's really important to do? Well, I think it's really important to have some idea of what we're talking about with the upper limb. Because when we say shoulder, we are talking about this joint that you'll find if you if you put your cupped hand over on the outside of the opposite arm, on the top of the arm there. We, we call that um, ball and socket joint, if you like to briefly call it that. It's, it's not really a ball and socket because the socket isn't really a socket, but anyway. Um, that's, the, that's the shoulder joint. But I think whenever we talk about anything to do with shoulder, we have, to, we have to substitute in our mind the phrase upper limb. So we think about upper limb because, of course, the muscles that are there for us to use are designed to move the whole of the upper limb because we are four-legged animals and we have two legs and we have two arms, we have four limbs and the structure of the muscles around and about the top of the upper limb and right down into the bottom part of the limb if you have the opportunity to have a look at a skeleton or to have a look in a textbook or better still if the Olympics are going on at the moment and you like watching swimming or you like watching diving or you like watching gymnastics where of course a lot of the people are wearing quite cutaway outfits what you'll see is that when they're doing any sort of overhead activities say on the high bar or the rings or vault as they lift their whole arm up, you can see that as they lift the arm up, there is this movement of the shoulder blade that naturally um, translates around the side of the body so that uh, the, upper, the upper limb can move into the configuration so that it is right up next to the athlete's ear. And if you try to do this, you may find you can't do this at all. But have a look at the uh, basic construction of the upper limb. And of course, with the advent of the internet, it's relatively simple now to have a look. Um, But look look for diagrams that perhaps show you where the upper limb can sit if it's taken into full elevation. Because if you look at a scapula on a plastic skeleton, if you look at an upper limb, and you go to move the... A hand and arm, what you'll find is that the scapula is usually pinned with a piece of metal to one of the ribs, and the uh, clavicle is sort of pinned to the shoulder blade, and that's all fixed. So you get this false view that the movement all takes place actually within uh, the glenohumeral joint, and that's not the case at all. In fact, well, it's not true that it could be the case in some people, but of course, ideally you want to use all of the limb as much as you can. So when you are beginning to start to think about preparing or rehabilitating after surgery or really any sort of injury or just having an interest, most important thing is to begin to start to look at what I call moving anatomy. In other words, look at people doing things on a day-to-day. Those can be athletes because obviously they're going to be moving their limbs through really quite almost perfect extremes of range of movement, we've got the Olympics taking place at the moment and some of the ranges of movements that those people can perform are really right up to optimal, can't really um, get much more improvement than that. But if you then compare what you see on an average day-to-day, what you'll find is that most of the activities that we do day-to-day tend to no way take us into that kind of range of movement. And indeed, if you think about the most common constraints at work or in a heavy industrial sort of vocational setting, whatever goes on nowadays, we have these health and safety regulations and most of those dictate that you don't work uh, above shoulder height. So you won't be reaching right up to the top of a shelf, you won't be stretching right up above your head to get towards things. Uh, Most things are done in mid-range. Now, it isn't that actually working in those ranges above your head, etc., is dangerous. It's more that most people just physically are not able to get their arm up into that configuration. And when they come to do something like that, they also don't have much power and strength. So they don't have the range. They don't have the power and strength. They don't have the endurance. In other words, they don't have the ability to keep repeating the say of lifting something down off a high shelf. They don't have the balance ability, so when they pick something up, they can't control it or they can't stabilise themselves when they come to move the thing down. And should the thing shift or slip, they probably wouldn't have the ability to quickly react in that range of movement because it's not a range that they use customarily. So look around day to day and just begin to start to look at the things people do when they drive. They have their arms low. When you're in the supermarket and you pick things up, you have your arms low. You push a trolley, you push a buggy. there aren't that many things that you do, where your arms are actually going right above your head. Um, So when you're beginning to start to think about how you can help yourself in preparation for surgery, or indeed to try to prevent surgery, first thing to do is begin to start to get to know the structure of the upper limb. Your upper limb might not look exactly like the bones and joints that you've got in front of you, because our skeletons are all a slightly different shape slightly different size, slightly different angles, slightly different insertion of muscles. So, for example, you might have a longer or a shorter clavicle or scapula or shoulder blade, as we call it, or length of humerus. Um, Muscles might start and finish in slightly different places, but there's there's a rough approximation that's somewhat similar. So, if you're not sure how what you're seeing in those pictures actually applies to what you can see when you look in the mirror and you go to lift your arm up in the air and you've got your search engine open and it's got a picture there of somebody lifting an arm and you're trying to work out what it is that you can see then if you really want to learn more that's the time to go and see a clinician. Um, Obviously as a healthcare professions council registered UK based physiotherapist I'm somewhat biased because I feel that people would benefit from going to see a physiotherapist. But having said that, there are many people who can advise you. You can go and see um, an athletics coach or a gymnastics coach, and they may have a background in sports science or in anatomy and physiology and be able to explain to you where the bony parts are and what it is you can see and you can feel. It might be that you go to see um, a specialist in rehabilitation And that person also has a very in-depth knowledge of the anatomy and physiology, so they can tell you where the bones are, where the muscles go to and from, and hopefully, like me in my practice here, um, they will actually have a skeleton and diagrams, and they will be able to show you through using um, interesting literature and looking at what's there, and perhaps even taking some videos of you moving and then comparing to some of these pictures, etc., to be able to give you a much better understanding of how you are using yourself right now. So you've made your lists, you've begun to start to think about what you're going to do with your um, discovery about your bones and joints and muscles. Um, And that's as far as this podcast is going to take us today because I think that's enough to start off with. Because when you're wanting to beginning to start to make changes, you need to be interested in making some awareness shifts in yourself And when you want to be beginning to start to do some training and coaching, you already need to know what sorts of areas that you want to start to develop. So underneath those headings that you put down earlier, um, for example, right at the very end, you can have your list. So you've got your four columns. But then at the top or at the bottom or at the side or another piece of paper, I want you to actually write down what a list of your goals would be. So, for example, if you're an athlete or a sportsman, you might say, well, I'd like to play tennis, or I'd like to cycle. Um, it, maybe you've got more uh, simple practical goals. You might just say, well, I'd like to drive the car without discomfort, or I'd like to be able to lift things in the supermarket, get something out of the um, freezer and put it in a, a trolley and not have so much trouble. I'd like to find that when I'm at work and I'm moving uh, some of the cages around that are full of food, or I'm lifting a scaffold pole, or I'm digging a hole or digging a trench or operating a a digger, um, that I actually want to be able to do that. And at the same time, I also want to be able to cast a... um, When I go fishing, I want to be able to go out and run and play football with my, my kids. So write a list of the goals that you'd like to achieve, because it's really nice to have some exciting goals that you want to work towards. And ask yourself a very simple question if you, don't, if you can't think of any goals. Um, what would it be like if my arm moved as I want it to be? So say to yourself, what, what would it be like if my arm was just as I wanted it to be? And then imagine yourself doing whatever it is that you might want to do. You can draw a picture. Um, you can write down the feelings that you might have. Um, it might be you feel relaxed, happy, calm fulfilled I don't know but ask yourself that question what would it be like and then you can write a whole list of things these things are really important when you begin to start to work towards setting goals in your four headings because if you don't have really exciting fun powerful things to work towards then all you end up doing is bland exercises which are pretty boring really so um, I'll come back and do a little bit of this later and um, as I say, if you can go off and have a look at the diagrams, start to get interested and curious about finding out what the upper limb is like, how the upper limb is put together. Have a look at some people moving their upper limbs, say athletes. Have a look at some people around you moving their arms. Have a think about your strength, your um, endurance, your proprioception, and your ability to do sort of quick, fast movements. And then set in the goals, and then what I'll do, this will meet up again soon and um, we can take it from there. If you want anything more in depth, you can always um, email me. Uh, my email is jill at wigmore-welsh.com. You can find me through my born to website or my art of human being website. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at uh, wigmore-welsh and um, be lovely for you to follow me and i'll follow you back and as i say i do skype if you want to do a consultation from a distance we can always do that Um, and i look forward to helping you in the future and meeting up with you take care bye